right, what a blessing to be able to share this time together, especially as we were making our way into the Thanksgiving week. So much to be thankful for. I'm thankful for all of you, all of you, my friends, church online, Cornerstone community near and far, wherever you are. Maybe some of you joining us for the first time, if you are doing so, hey, I'm Pastor Terry. I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone Church in San Francisco, and I want you to feel so welcome, and I hope you will feel the Lord's touch and His goodness and His words connect with you. But our title, you know, this unique, is kind of a unique one, you know, the gift of new skin and the beauty of gratitude. Uh, there's two purposes for it. One is to explore, literally explore the unique moment in the ministry of Jesus when he literally healed some men and gave them the gift of new skin. But it is also a reminder of how he has worked in our lives and has made all things new. And it's something he wants to do continually in all of us and maybe in some of us for the first time. Uh, I think about how the healing words of Jesus invite us into gratitude I was reminded of the opening words of George Herbert's poem, Gratefulness, where he says, Thou hast given so much to me. Give one thing more, a grateful heart. I love that. Lord, thou hast given so much to me. Would you give me one thing more? A grateful heart. <laughs> you know, this is a prayer we're all invited into, a prayer for a grateful heart. And even now, Lord, I ask that you would give that to us. As we pause, as we create space, as we bring our mind to a point of focus and, and worship to hear your words for us, give us the gift of, a, of an open heart, not a closed one. Give us the gift of a soft heart, not a, not a hard one. Give us the gift of a grateful heart, not, not a grudging heart. Yeah, that's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to look together at a passage in Luke 17 that describes an incident that occurred in the ministry of Jesus. It says he was on the way to Jerusalem in verse 11, and he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. So we're given a geographical sense of where Jesus was. And as he entered a village, he was met there by 10 lepers who stood, we're told, at a distance. And there was a reason they had to stand at a distance because they were not allowed to come close to people. There were 10 of them, we're told. So they were a band of lepers and they were, they were trying to get Jesus' attention, we're going to see here. And I do think it's hard for us to appreciate um, in our modern times the impact of leprosy on the ancient world and how it affected people. Although I think, so if you, well, what, we're, what we've all just come through and been affected by at a global level and are still working through, if you think about it, the challenges that we're facing still around uh, the disease that, that we've all been trying to deal with, it really does, it do, actually it connects in, in, a, in a lot of ways. We can understand some of the fear and the paranoia um, and the legitimate concern that, that people would have had in Jesus's day. And yeah, we know that leprosy was a disease that affected the nerves, it affected skin, it affected the respiratory system, and it, it affected people's limbs. It, it, and, and we also know one more thing, it was super highly contagious. The disease is also sometimes called Hansen's disease. 
And the reason it's called Hansen's disease is because Hansen was the Norwegian physician who first identified in 1873 that it was a bacteria that caused the disease. But it actually, this is interesting, it actually wasn't even until 1940, not that long ago, relatively speaking, that a cure actually became available. So this disease has been around for a long time. And in Jesus' day, because the disease was so mysterious and super contagious, lepers were put outside of, of society. They had to keep themselves at a distance from people and declare in accordance, especially in Israel, they had to declare in accordance with the law of Moses that is described in the book of Leviticus that they were unclean. So they had to constant, they were responsible. The onus was on them that wherever they went, they had to cry out if they were coming into contact with people, unclean, unclean. I mean, think about this as a way of identifying yourself. Think about how, how that would affect your self-image. Think about how your identity is embedded in the idea that you're unclean. It's, it would have been devastating. And they had, again, uh, to verbalize a warning, an, an alert to all who were drawing near that they were diseased and contagious. And if basically in that day, if you got leprosy in that day, uh, life as you knew it was over. It would often start as just a skin blotch and then uh, it started growing, spreading. And it, it, if, if you, <laughs> it, it changed everything, even, even the way in which you could interact with the people you loved. And in fact, you, you would be cut off from your friends and your family for the rest of your life? Imagine that. And your only community became the community of fellow lepers. That's the reason why the 10 of them were together. Evidently, a few of them had heard rumors that a teacher from Galilee was also a healer because Jesus's fame was spreading at the time that he not only taught words that were from God, but that he had the healing touch of the prophets and that he may even be the promised Messiah. And so they were both curious and drawn for a very real legitimate reason to the fact that Jesus maybe could heal them. And so they, <laughs> they, they found a way to cry out to him from a distance. And, and he heard them. Listen to me, he's still, he's still, loved ones, he still hears our distant cries, doesn't he? Look at verse 13. Look what it says. It says, they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. It was a confession, by the way, of faith. I don't know if you see that, but it was actually a prayer. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They, they yelled it from the distance. And it says that when Jesus saw them, I imagine Jesus was walking, and clearly they were far enough away where they weren't able to be recognized, but he could see them in the distance. And he, and he said to them, and I imagine he, he, he yelled it out, go and show yourselves to the priests. And it says that as they went, key phrase, as they went, they were cleansed. And this is what I call, this is what I call an along the way healing <laughs> because it didn't happen right away. It didn't happen in the moment. This is a very important little detail. It happened rather as they were on their way in faith. And that's how it's going to be sometimes for you and me. 
This is good for us. There are times where our healing is not going to come in a moment. And it may be a healing of our mind. It may be a healing of our spirit. It may be a healing of our body. It may be a relational healing. But there are times where a healing may be given, but it won't, it won't come in the moment, but rather along the way, in the journey. And in some cases, it will occur, certainly true in our body. There are some times where our healing is going to come across the great divide on the other side. That's where ultimate healing is to be found for us. For our bodies are not meant to live forever in this world. Not in this broken, just broken place that we find ourselves in, this sin-impacted life of ours. Um, and that doesn't mean we can't be healed. It doesn't mean that God won't touch our bodies and our are in our places of greatest need. It just means that we, we shouldn't always assume the way in which the healing is going to come. Now, going back to the lepers, perhaps they, they shrugged at his words because all, really all he said to them was, go and show yourself to the priests. <laughs> and maybe one of them said, that's crazy. Why would we do that? <laughs> but another one, I imagine a couple of them started, they started talking to each other. Maybe one of them says, but you know, wait, what do we have to lose? I mean, what do we have to lose? Let's do it. He says, go and show ourselves to the priests. What, what else? Why not? Let's go. Who knows? Right? Let's do what he says. So they, they all agreed to go together. And somewhere along the way, and I don't know when it happened and how it happened, you know, but somewhere along the way, the master of the universe hit that bacteria and he restored them to health. And perhaps one of them, I just tried to imagine it in my mind's so eye. Maybe you can do that too. But perhaps one of them looked at his at his hand and 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 watched with amazement, transfixed at his fingers as they literally grew new skin before his eyes. New skin, um, maybe e maybe even baby soft, and when it's new. I've got, I've got a couple of grandkids now. <laughs> They're really cute. And I sometimes just look at them and I'm amazed at the, the softness of their new skin, fresh out of the womb in, in some cases with our granddaughter. And it's just, I wonder if the lepers had skin, but that skin came back not as an adult, weathered skin that's been used like a tent in the sun. <laughs> Use our sunscreen. But rather uh, as a baby skin, baby soft. Uh, maybe, maybe they were walking, because we know it happened along the way. Maybe they were walking, and a lot of times they would be wrapped, but there would be parts of their face that could see, be seen. Maybe one of them was talking to the other as they were walking and, and he turned and he, and he, and he, and he, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm giving him a name, Levi. Did, did your, your, your face, your, your face, it's, it's, it's clear. It's, it's clear. It's what's happened to you. You're <laughs> You're healed. And then while that was happening, you know, the other one says, Nathan, have you looked at yourself? You are as well, right? And, and again, there's, there's no way. You know, they looked into each other's eyes and they were in shock. 
And, you, and I, this is, isn't said exactly in the scripture, but I imagine them running as fast as they could. Maybe there was a, maybe there was a, a, a stream of water and, and they ran as fast as they could to the water, not to drink it, but to look, to look at their face, to see their reflection in the water. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was a miracle. It was incredible. It, it was unbelievable. Next stop, the priest. Why? because it was needed. You needed to get clearance from the priest in the community to be able to go back into community. That's why Jesus had sent them there. It wasn't in accordance with the law. And, and as soon as they could get that release, they could go back to their family and their friends. It would be as if they were coming back from the dead. It, it would be as, as if they, they were rising again. I mean, literally, it was a resurrection of, of their life back into a place where they could engage with the people they loved one more, one more time. I mean, it, it, it would have been incredible, unbelievable. Uh, uh, so, such an astonishing gift. No money could buy it, right? It says that we're told that while they ran and they, they ran back to their their community to family and their friends. They ran back. It says that, <laughs> well, a lot of them ran forward. One of them ran back to Jesus. That's what we're told here. So they ran because they were so happy. They ran to the people they love, but one of them turned back and ran to Jesus. And he was the Samaritan, we're told. In the way, <laughs> and, and because of that, he would have been the most unlikely of the group to embrace a Jewish Messiah. But yet he ran back to Jesus, overwhelmed in gratitude, praising God with a loud voice along the way. We read this in verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. <laughs> and he fell on his face at Jesus's feet, giving him thanks. Oh, thank you. Now he, we are told, was a Samaritan. And one of the things we see here so clearly, so vividly, so beautifully described is that he did not take his healing for granted. He threw himself at the feet of Jesus and in the dirt. And he thanked Jesus. He said, Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you. I love that. I love that. I, I, yeah, I do. And I'm excited about it because it's a reminder for you and me that we are also to retain a heart like this Samaritan and never forget how much we have been healed of from the inside out. And just to say thank you for your healing, Lord for your healing words in my life. And this is a great week for us to do it. When we get to think about what we're thankful for, let's pause to thank him. You know, we're going to have a special little Thanksgiving service that we were making available on Thanksgiving morning. Maybe that's a way for us to say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in my life as we celebrate him with words and song. But I was reminded of, 2 Corinthians 5.17, where we're told, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Many of you know this verse, therefore, right? The old has passed away. 
behold, that's it, behold, wow, the new has come. The older version says, all things become new. Got to say it, got to say it. If you've never opened up your heart to Jesus or felt the new skin he gives, the time is now. If you're online, you know, we've got a, a team, a pastor who's ready to pray with you to accept Jesus into your heart. You could make this a marking point, the gift of new skin waiting for all of us. It reminds me of how Psalm 103 opens, I, I, the first five verses. I love the NLT's version. That's the New Living Translation version. It says, and, and, and by the way, the Psalms, they're filled with, with songs of thanksgiving. But look what it says in Psalm 103. Let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. That is all of me. Everything that I am, my intellect, my emotion, my 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 feeling, my sentiment, uh, my with my brain, with my heart, with my lungs, with my tongue, I will praise the Lord. Let all that I am, let my whole being praise the Lord. May I, and then look at this, may I never forget the good things he does for me. The older version says, all his benefits. <sighs> ah, the benefits of the Lord, the ones we never regret. He forgives all my sins. Yes, he does. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and he crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things and my youth is renewed like the eagles. That is, he keeps me young at heart so that our hearts are invigorated. And instead of being worn down and living with a frown, we are filled up and living with a smile and wearing, I guess say it this way, a crown, right? Not beaten and not bitter, not cynical, and not defeated by the unfairness of life or people or governments, but alive and vibrant. And even if our outward man is perishing, yet our inward one is being renewed as the scriptures invite us into day by day until that day when we are given a new body that will never fade away and be able to contain forever the life within. That is the ultimate gift of new skin. But going back to the passage, verse 15, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And, and here's the question, this is why I reread is, are we not all in danger of being more like the nine than the one? Let me say that one more time. Are we not all a little bit in danger of being more like the nine than the one? So, so delighted and consumed with our blessings that we can forget the blesser. We can do it. And verse 17, Jesus answered and he says, we're, whoa, <laughs> we're not 10 cleansed. Where are the nine? Why only you? We're not 10 of you. Where are your friends? Where are the other nine? And then to the disciples. And to me, I, I see Jesus smiling. I do. I, I used to almost think of it as more of a, of a, of a kind of reaction on the part of Jesus that was displeased, but I, I'm not, I don't think so. I, I, I've, I've come to the conclusion that it, it was probably different. I think he, he turned and I, in my mind, you, you, I think he turned and he says, huh, 
Was, was no one found to return and give praise to God except, except this foreigner? This, this, this one who's, who's not even from our tribe. But he has come back oh, you, with a heart of gratitude. Uh, you're, you, well done. Well done. I think Jesus, hear me out. Lord, I know you do. I think, I think you notice our thankfulness. Lord notices. Oh, God. You notice our thankful hearts. He notices, listen, when we show up with a thankful heart. That's what I'm seeing here. And I think the Lord notices when we don't. I mean, it matters. Gratitude matters to Jesus. Our songs of thanksgiving matter. Uh, our small prayers matter. The prayers over our meal matter. The prayers in the morning and in the evening, they matter. Every of the prayers that we send in a text to someone else, a little short one that's sent to give them strength and encouragement and blessing, they matter. But most of all, our prayers of thanksgiving and our prayers that welcome them into our conversations and our, our exchanges, they all matter. They all matter. They're not just a nice thing. They, they can be that. They can be that. When someone says, you know, we'll keep you in our prayers. I, I think sometimes what they mean by that is you're in my thoughts and I love you. I care about you. But there's also something to be said about the power of prayer that's directed to the Lord by faith and what it can do. Some prayers are meant to strike breakthrough into a situation and burst it open for a miracle provision. Other prayers are meant to stack up and over time create a pathway of breakthrough. But look what it, I, I look at verse 19 and, and I love how this passage, at least as we're looking at it, concludes. It says, he said to him, my friend, my thankful friend, I, I say to you, rise and go your way for your faith has made you well. <laughs> the Samaritan was made whole in his soul, listen, in his soul as well as in his body for eternity, as one commentator said, as well as for all time. I think it was Alexander McLaren who put it. He says, the others only got the outward cure. He alone got the spiritual blessing. Think about that. The others got the outward cure. It wasn't, I don't think Jesus revoked the, the, the healing. I don't think that's what was being said here. What I, what I think is that the other nine got their physical healing, but the greater blessing was given to the Samaritan because he got the healing of both his body and of his soul. And that's huge. And so I want us to keep that in mind. I, I do have a, a thought to share on the backside. I want to, I want to just dig a little bit more deeply with a thought around gratitude but I asked the band specifically to share a song that I was just so touched by when I heard it originally. It's called, I Will Remember, and uh, it describes the, the faithfulness of the Lord and the goodness of God at work in our lives. And it invites us to build an altar of thankfulness. That's how I see it, to really offer the Lord back our best. And to say, Lord, how, what, can I, what good can I make in return to you? 
I give you me. I give you myself, flaws and all. Uh, oh, one more thing. I do need, I do get to remind all of you about our giving time. You know, this is our giving season and we, we really do want to encourage all of you to, to give your best, uh, to remember not just in your tithes and your offerings, but maybe as you make space for your year-end giving, that you would consider making Cornerstone a priority in that giving, uh, that you might, especially if you uh, are appreciative and love the uh, online service, I mean, it would be really a blessing because we're trying to prepare for where we're going in the months ahead and in, in the next year and what God wants us to do. And so anyway, remember, you can give, send it in, you can go to our website, you can give through the app, however the Lord puts it in your heart to do so. But love you all. But let's share this song and then come back around. Let this praise be mine. 
build an altar. That's what the song says. And I will remember, and I'll never forget, I'll never forget all that you have done, Lord. And a savior you are and a savior you'll be all of my life. Your hand has never let go of me. I just love those words. Your hand has never let go of me. How faithful you have been, Lord. How faithful you have been. Your hands, the hands of the good shepherd that are just holding me even when I've been wayward. Think about that. The Lord will find us when we wander, how thankful we are for that. So with hands lifted high and my heart contrite with the fruit of my lips, I bless you, God. Let this praise be my sacrifice. I mean, that's the essence of thanksgiving. That's the, that's the essence of the way in which we are to share our appreciation for all the good that God has done. You know, I, I was uh, reading also 
the poem that I talked about earlier from George Herbert. And, and he said, I'll just read this one more time and then add a little bit to it. He says, thou hast given so much to me. Give one thing more, a grateful heart. And then he added these words. See how thy bigger works on thee by art. And he's, he's basically saying that art in this sense means, means rhetoric and persuasion. So what he's basically saying is, Lord, I, I'm, I'm the beggar in need of your touch, right? <laughs> and, and, it, and then he says, wherefore I cry and I cry again, and in no quiet canst thou be till I a thankful heart obtain of thee, not thankful when it pleaseth me as if thy blessings have spare days. Oh man, I love that. Because he's basically saying, Lord, give me, I pray, this beggar. A, the gift of a thankful heart and not thankful when it, when it, it pleases me. No, no. As if thy blessings had spare days, N not thankful just when I'm in the mood, uh, or when only things are going in the direction I want them to go. No, uh, not thankful when it pleaseth me as if thy blessings had spare days, but such a heart whose pulse may be thy praise Lord every day, all of my life. May my heart beat with gratitude for love for you. May that be what you give to me. This beggar heart asks this of thee. Give me the gift of a grateful heart. Lord, please, not just in selected times or when it feels right to me, but all the time for your blessings never cease. Give me the gift of a heart that's filled with praise now and always. Ah, oh, Lord Jesus, I do pray that gift for all of us. I pray that you would give us the gift of a grateful heart. I truly do. Lord, give it to me for so many things. Gifts known, gifts unknown, gifts remembered, gifts forgotten, people in my life who've crossed the path of my life, who have affected me and loved me. And those of us who we know that we've been given the gifts of people and, and the gifts that we could never earn, the gift of salvation, the gift of Jesus, the gift of the promise of life yet to come. So many things, Lord, your presence at work in us. So many things, your touch, your healing touch, the gift of new skin. How thankful we are for that, Lord Jesus. So this week, let's be intentional and remember and mark the point. I really want to encourage you to, to take some time on Thanksgiving morning and just make a little room for the small service of song and devotion under the Lord and start it off, start off that morning by saying thank you. Maybe watch it with a few friends because he's so good and he's so God and he wants us to know his goodness. May he keep you in every way, spirit, soul, and body. Yes, in every way and in your thoughts as well. Because you, my friends, <laughs> you are greatly loved and how thankful we should be for that. Yes, in Jesus' name.